0: about publishing and writing, and to highlight independent bookstores. These friends discuss the books they've written, the books they're reading now, and the art of storytelling. If you love books, and you're curious about the writing world, you're in the right place.
1: Hi, everyone. It is Wednesday night. That means it is time for the happiest hour and dare I say, most fun hour of the week, <laughs> Friends and Fiction. Welcome to our show. We have so much to look forward to tonight. Our first event live from a bookstore. Not us, obviously, we're at home. <laughs> but our guest is live from a bookstore. I am Patty Callahan-Henry. And I'm Mary Kay Andrews. I'm Kristen Harmel. And I'm Christy Woodson-Harvey. And this is Friends and Fiction. New York Times bestselling authors, Endless Stories to Support Indie Bookstores. Tonight, you have the privilege of meeting Wiley Cash, and we'll talk about his new book, When Ghosts Come Home, which released yesterday. We'll find out about what inspires Wiley and much more. And something really special for a special guest, Wiley is live in a bookstore in Charlotte, North Carolina. Park Road Books, so we will even be taking live questions. And tonight, we encourage you to buy Wiley's book from Park Road Books, where he is waiting for us. Is there
2: alive? But first I wanna talk about this week's Friends and Fiction Parade magazine essay in their online magazine, which was written by Patty as she reflected on how we survived the surviving. You can find it linked on our Facebook page and on
1: our Instagram bio. But meanwhile, Patty, can you tell us a little bit about it? Oh, we're not gonna talk for a long time about this, but I finally wrote about something I don't talk about very much and something I don't write about very much. Um, I wrote a bit about surviving something I went through. And as we're getting closer to October, which we all know is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, Mm -hmm. I recalled this moment when a doctor said to me, in real life, not in a fiction book, it is cancer. And I said, not the real kind, right? as if there was any other kind. And I write a little bit about coming out on the other side of that after some years and realizing that I will never be exactly the same. And so I ask, how do we make meaning out of that? And I'd like to know, have y'all had something you've gone through that most people consider to be over, but you know it changed you?
3: Yeah. You know, I, I had to think really hard about that. And I feel like I've lived such a blessed life. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the most um, yeah. earth shattering thing that happened was I lost my mother, my father, my older sister, and my younger brother um, in the space of about six years. <sighs> and um, each of the deaths was sudden and unexpected. And I, I guess the way I survived it was I was surrounded by dear friends because I remember being in a fog. Yes. But my oldest, dearest friends, uh, we all the funerals were back in St. Pete, where I grew up, and where my closest, oldest, dearest friends are. And I think I leaned on them, and they held me up, and that's all. That's the um, the perspective I have is that I got through that fog because and fr- and family, but them sort of steering me and saying, you just put one foot in front of the other. Yeah. So not I don't have any deep lessons about it. I just uh, I didn't but have I any. Know, that's pretty that's deep. Yes, yeah, yes. I didn't have any choice. So I just yeah. put one foot in front of the other. Yeah. I mean, this is
4: not super personal, but I feel like just the past couple of years have changed all of us and yeah. in ways that Um, I don't even think that we'll really even know until later, you know, my mom and I were actually talking about this about, um, you know, having like my grandparents and people who survived the great depression and how their lives are forever altered from that. And like, you know, Will and I were talking about the other day, like, are we ever going to feel safe if we just have six rolls of toilet paper? (laughs) No, I mean, I'm kidding. That's obviously really trite, but, um, you know, there, I think we're all going to just, um, I think we'll all be different, but also maybe in some good ways too, because I think we've all really learned. I know all of us on this screen, how um, kind of everything we know can sort of implode and yes. we can figure out what to do next. And, you know, we have that ability and that power to do it. So, you know, hopefully something good will come out of it. I don't feel like we're on the other side of it enough to really even be able to say we're yeah. too in it, you know, but, um, but I think it's going to be really interesting to see, you know um. What how we got in time really and how we change. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point.
2: You know, I was thinking um, about back in, it was either 2008 or 2009 when the economy just completely bottomed out. You guys remember uh, that? Like, oh, where everything. Yeah. so I was writing for People Magazine at the time, and um, they called one day in, I think it was October, early October or late September, and said, We can't use um, freelancers again for the remainder of the year. And that was the bulk of my income at the time. I was writing novels, but my, my main income came from people. Um, and so it was at a time when the work had been drying up anyhow. Um, and I hit a point a few months later where, um, where I almost wasn't able to make my mortgage payment and where I was facing, you know, Mm -hmm. I I was, I was single. It was just me and I was facing the possibility of losing my house, which had been, I'd been so proud of myself as a single woman for purchasing this thing. Um, And I made it through that time period. It was really hard. It was really scary. Um, but I think just like you said in the essay, Patty, I think it's kind of, um, it's those moments that we have to survive. And this was nothing compared to what you had to survive, of course, but it's those difficult times that teach us what we're made of. Um, and, and that show us a way forward and that teach us never to take the things we used to take for granted for granted again. You know, um, that taught me a lot and it's kind of changed the way I live and the way
1: I look at my career and the way I look at my life. And it's this, you know, it's the phrase we've talked about a lot on here. How did we survive the surviving? And yeah, I know that I I'm really want to hear from Wiley, too, because I know yes. that profound changes in his life found their way into this powerful book. So now let's talk about Wiley. Yes. So Wiley Cash is the New York Times bestselling author of several novels, including A Land More Kind Than Home and This Dark Road to Mercy. He is an extraordinary author and more importantly, an extraordinary and very kind person.
3: That's awesome. And I'm just meeting Wiley tonight, so I can't, I I hope we'll have an opportunity to meet in person soon. But I think he's pretty impressive. He was a fellow at Yaddo and the McGowell Colony. He also won the Conroy Legacy Award and the SEBA Book Award. SEBA is the Southeastern Independent Booksellers Award, for those of you not in the know. (laughs) Who is <laughs> a finalist for a little something called the Penn Robert W. Bingham Prize and the Edgar Allan Poe Award for Best Novel? I think that's, that's I think the uh, Edgar is nominated, is um, awarded by Mystery Writers of America, an organization I belong to. Yep.
4: Wow. So, well, that's a lot of great things. Um, but yeah. in addition to all of that, he teaches <laughs> literature and fiction writing at the University of North Carolina, Asheville, which is um, related to my. Tar <laughs> Heels at UNC, and I think I need to go take his class. Maybe I could do Ooh, some sort of uh...
3: <laughs> a, so What do you call it
1: when you get to take something and...
4: That's what oh, I was just thinking. I was going to say lateral audit, entry. I was like, audit. That's not it. It's audit. Audit. <laughs> class. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's Audit's <laughs> code for freeload, yeah. But you have to pay, right? You just don't get graded. Don't oh, know. that's like yes, the opposite of freeload. <laughs> or charge. <laughs> All right. Wiley also serves as the alumni author in residence and lives in North Carolina with his wife, photographer Mallory Cash and their daughters.
2: His new book, When Ghosts Come Home, was released earlier this month and centers around a small North Carolina town, which is thrown into turmoil when Sheriff Winston Brown discovers a crashed plane and a dead body. I dare you not to pick it up after hearing that. I
3: know, (laughs) right? What a gorgeous cover that is. I
2: know, exactly. just Just cut the episode now. That's it. That's it.
3: Yeah. Go buy the (laughs) book. Total cover. This
1: novel is such a page turning plot. And even more powerful than the plot is these full, richly nuanced characters whose lives unfold. And Wiley, we're going to ask him about this because I don't know how he did it. He balances three points of view so masterfully, but Alan, why don't you bring Wiley on so we can talk to him instead of about Mm him. (laughs) Everyone. (laughs)
3: <laughs> that's welcome
5: I haven't gotten to be in bookstores in so long that I was just catching up on some reading've <laughs> uh, oh always Did you
3: write it? it
5: if that's true and it is I just learned it in that book <laughs> indeed everyone poops. <laughs>
3: Oh, welcome, Wiley. (laughs) We are universal (laughs)
1: truths. Oh my gosh. Wiley's coming in hot with hard truths. (laughs) (laughs) It's true.
2: It's
3: true. We are so excited you're
1: here and spending your pub week Wednesday with us. And you know, I've told you how much I love this book and how much of a heart punch it was. And yet, somehow also miraculously beautiful and healing. It was quite a tight rope to balance. So before we dive into its origins and the deep end of the family story, will you just give us a nugget of what, for those who don't know what it's about, tell us,
5: you know,
1: your little sure, nugget. Yeah,
5: yeah. thank you, Patty, and thank all of you for having me. I'm here at Park Road Books, as you said. I'm in front of, a, 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 their back. I'm, my back is to them, but a live massed audience here in Charlotte, North Carolina. It's great to be back in bookstores. My book came out yesterday, so this is my kind of my second event, and I am so thrilled to be spending it with all of you. I've been following Um, this page since its inception. Y'all are like Destiny's child, but all of you are Beyonce. (laughs) uh, Well,
4: he's my
0: favorite guest guest so far. What about
5: you guys? Yeah. Yeah. Um, He wins. Let's give him a star. And I, and I follow you online too. Like, I know all about Mary Kay's secret internet boyfriends. I'm hoping uh, <laughs> to one day be nominated. I, you know, if, if Mary Alice were here, I would toast her with this delicious cup of Carlson coffee.
2: Oh, perfect.
5: Deep house blend. Um, but to, to get onto the book, uh, thank you for the kind words about it, Patty. So, uh, the setup is it's the fall of 1984. Uh, there's a middle-aged sheriff named Winston Barnes. He is facing a tough re-election battle. And in the middle of the night, he is awakened by the roar of a low-flying aircraft that's passing over his house off the coast of uh, Brunswick County on this little island called Oak Island. And Winston wakes up. He knows there is no good reason for a plane to be landing this late at night, certainly not a plane of this size. He lives near a municipal airport with the grass runway. And so he gets dressed, gets out of bed, dressed, drives out to the airport, and what he finds there changes not only his life, but the life of this small town forever. He finds an abandoned DC-3. It's a World War II-era cargo plane. It's an enormous aircraft, and it's too large for this small runway, and it's come in, and it's crash-landed, and the landing gear is broken. Uh, The plane's completely abandoned. Later, they will not even be able to recover any fingerprints from inside the aircraft. And most mysterious is the body of a local man who's been shot dead and left beside the runway. So when the book opens 20 pages in, we've got two mysteries on our hands. Why is this aircraft here and who flew it? And what, if any, role did this dead man play in uh, this plane's sudden appearance?
4: Wow. I love that. So fascinating. Again, <laughs> yeah. we dare you not to read it. After I, mean, that. I know, know exactly. right? Yeah. Well, Wiley, we love to dive into origin stories here. And so we want to talk about that. So you, like me, are from North Carolina. You live in North Carolina and this novel is really drenched in North Carolina. I live on a different part of the coast, but um, I could sort of feel that air and the scent of Oak Island and um, see those houses in that police station, and you brought it alive so evocatively. Could you tell us where the germ of this idea began?
5: Yeah, so it happened. You know, my wife uh, was, was raised in Wilmington, and both of our daughters, who are now six and five, uh, they were both oh. born in Wilmington. And I was not. I was born and I was raised in the western part of the state. And we moved down to Wilmington in 2013. And as I said, we started a family there and i've come to terms with the fact that at some point my experience my childhood experience playing in the woods in North mm-hmm. carolina is going to be very different from my daughter's experience of going to the beach yeah. and being on boats and being in the wetlands mm-hmm. i had this very egocentric fear of the the, the predictable moment in the future when our lives are going to diverge in a strange way. And (laughs) and what is it going to be about the regions that we're from that causes us to not be in step on whatever it may be, taste, uh, artistic preferences, cultural identities, whatever the case may be. And I knew that if I was ever going to know this place to any degree close to how they're going to know it, I was going to have to write about it and really involve myself in the history and the geography and the culture yeah. and and look at it with the eye that that all of you bring to your own work. And um, so that was, that was one reason I really turned my eyes to Eastern North Carolina. But the other reason was I heard this rumor of a plane that crash landed at the Oak Island airport in the late 70s. And the plane was too oh. large. And they had to hire a stunt uh, pilot to come fly the plane away. And I don't know if that's true or not. I never looked into it because I didn't want to <laughs> contaminate my my idea but um that just kind of got me thinking about yeah. what would happen if that happened in 1984 huh. if that political cultural moment with you know the drug the dare programs and the drugs yeah. being flown into the country and it just seemed like a good time to write about
3: oh for sure yeah you know i covered a story like that when i was a newspaper reporter um stringing for the atlanta journal constitution and um Uh, a dairy farmer in a rural part of of Georgia kept hearing planes landing at the dairy farm next to theirs. And they're like, why are planes, why do these dairy dairy farmers have an airstrip on their, Ah. on their farm? Of course, because they were running drugs and (laughs) law enforcement was involved, but that's another story. But Wiley, so this story really resonates with me. And, you know, this is not your first mystery. And speaking as a mystery writer myself, clearly not your first rodeo and yet you've won awards for mystery writing, including the Edgar, which is, you know, the, the wow. Oscar for mystery. Um, would you clear up the confusion and talk to us about mystery versus books, not marketed as a mystery?
5: Gosh, I am. I don't know if I'm the, the best spokesperson for the genre. You know, I, I feel like this is my, my most traditional mystery because, mm in this novel, the reader doesn't have all of the information until literally the last page. And when I think of mysteries, I think of really smart writers who are able to kind of structure a narrative with all the necessary traps and springs and trampolines, but also the the requisite kind of blindfolds the reader has to have draped over their eyes to kind of move quickly past the things that reveal just enough to tease you, but not enough to stop you. And I've never been able to be that kind of writer. My my first two novels were were classified as mysteries, but they were, in my mind, they were mysteries because the thrill of those novels was you we were waiting to see when the characters would know all of the information that the reader knows. And that's where the suspense comes from. But in this novel, When Ghosts Come Home, I was able, and I think it was honestly through good fortune and blind luck and lots of false endings, that I just kind of fell into a more traditional mystery. And when it happened, Mary Kay, I felt so smart. I, I, I thought, like, <laughs> this is what it's like to feel smart when you write. This is what it's like to, to maybe think that a reader is gonna be, think like, oh my gosh, I never saw that coming, you know? <laughs> Instead of just the characters being like, wait, I've gotta die now, you know? Um, so that was really exciting for me. And, and it's something that I don't know I could do again, um, but it's something that I think I did this time, hopefully. Uh, Because this is a thing I didn't see coming.
3: Yeah. um, When you started writing When Ghosts Come Home, did you think to yourself, clearly I'm writing a whodunit?
5: No, um, I didn't think that necessarily. I I, I had, in the back of my mind, I knew I wanted the reader to be surprised at the end. I didn't know what the surprise was going to be. I knew I wanted there to be some kind of turn. And to be honest with you, I knew what I wanted the closing emotional note of the novel to be. And I, I, there were two things I, that I wrote toward in the novel. One was an uncomfortable situation that the sheriff has with his secretary. I wrote toward that moment, mm-hmm. and then I wrote toward the final emotional tone. And I didn't know what the scaffolding was going to be to get there. And and a couple of days ago, I did an, I did a. I did a, a podcast, uh, and I was talking about how I was the whole time I was reaching for that, for that emotional, to closing tone. And I was just building these really janky scaffolds to get there. <laughs> and, it and, and I would get up there and I'd be reaching for it and the wind would be blowing. And I'd be like, I got to get down. This isn't going to work. You know? <laughs> and so it was a lot of a lot of like bad endings trying to fabricate the steps to get to the to that emotional ending that I wanted wanted to end with. But but in terms of like what makes a mystery novel versus suspense or versus a thriller I think a mystery just has these elements of surprise where something is revealed at the end and you don't feel tricked. You feel surprised. And so then you want to go back and look for all the things that you should have seen. And, and that's part of the deliciousness of life, really. Like, why didn't I see this coming? All the clues were there. And I think we could say the same thing about our books often.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I think we're all, all of us want to surprise our readers by the end. I think if you, I think yeah. for me, if I start out saying to myself, well, they've already telegraphed the ending, yeah. then, I'm, then I start out disappointed. But I think if you keep the reader wondering and keep turning those pages, then to me, you've succeeded. Obviously, you have. Yeah, yeah obviously. Wow. Yeah, exactly. I
1: mean, like, Mary will text us and she will say, I still don't know who did it. <laughs> yeah.
5: <laughs> yeah which is so funny. Funny. Oh.
0: About
1: her own book people yeah. say that. <laughs>
5: yeah. Well, I can say that, you know, even if I didn't do it, at least the book's done, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. there you, <laughs> go. And I there think you know, go. I've read your reviews.
0: I've you did idea. it. You did it. <laughs> you did it.
2: So, um, so Wiley, you know, earlier, right before you came on, we were talking about surviving the surviving, how, you know, how these things in your life that you go through kind of, seep into every aspect of your life after that and kind of change Mm -hmm. you forever um so i you and i think those are the things that kind of show us what we're made of so i'm I'm wondering i know you mentioned you have um two kids who were five and six so in the last several years you become a father um and i also know that you lost your father within the Mm -hmm. last several years um Do you think that either of those huge momentous changes in your life or any of the other changes you've gone through, like we were talking about changes earlier, have made their way into your writing either directly in terms of, um, you know, becoming things you address head on or indirectly in terms of the way you think about things or or think about relationships?
5: Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, I, I was listening in, uh, when patty was talking about and and the 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 stories that that y'all were sharing and it was bringing up a lot of experiences that i've had and and one of them is losing my dad we lost my dad in may of 2016 and literally uh thank you uh a month before he passed away our our youngest daughter was born and so we had this great joy and then this great tragedy and you know, the whiplash of those two things and trying to hold both of those in your mind at once. And that's also something that I've really been interested in yeah. um, psychically late lately is trying to hold two conflicting ideas in your mind at once oh, and honoring wow. both of those. Yeah. And um, my wife is really good at that with our girls. They were at the bookstore to visit my book yesterday. Aww. and they got to visit book. your book. I don't know. Yeah. So sweet. And my, and my wife was like, Girls, maybe this is the one that will sell well enough where y'all can get some shoes. And, <laughs> and they were like, You know, it's going to be cold eventually in Wilmington, mom. And she said it really loud, <laughs> hoping somebody would hear to offer to buy shoes or the book, but nobody did. But you have they to train them. those
3: girls to tell people to go up to strangers and say, I My daddy wrote a book.
5: Please I know. Buy it. And I, know. I need
3: food. Yeah.
5: Really, I need food. Uh, But but my our, our five-year-old my, she got them each a book but our five-year-old also wanted this little fox and she was really sad about not getting the fox and as a parent my inclination is to say you should be happy you got a book but instead <laughs> my wife because she's brilliant and much more patient than me she said I understand that you're excited that you got a book and I know you're sad that you didn't get that fox and that's okay. And you can sit with wow. both of those and honor both of those at the same time. Wow. And when when I lost my dad and my daughter was born, I tried to hold both of those side by side. And mm-hmm. and that's what I did in, in writing this novel. And that's what I do every time I write a novel about the South, you know, I'm looking at the South with an eye toward some of the the bumps and bruises and the warts and the the, the, the cuts and things. But I also love the South. I'm incredibly proud to be from North Carolina. I'm incredibly yeah. proud to be. Southern writer, whatever that means anymore. But I can also say honestly that the South n- needs to look at itself, you know, uh, yes. critically and openly and honestly. And so that's what <laughs> I'm trying to do in this book. I'm, I'm I'm writing about the beautiful things, but I'm also writing about the things that are uncomfortable. And I I'm doing that in the relationships of the book as well, with the sheriff and his daughter, who's 25 years old and flees home, fleeing a a, a struggling marriage and this heartbreak and. He's, he's sad for her, but he's frustrated by it. and He's got all these conflicting emotions at the same time.
2: So first I have to say that was oh, an excellent oh, answer. Oh, that oh, was oh, like oh, so oh, deep oh, and introspective. Oh, beautiful. Second, oh. I would be remiss if I didn't say at some point in this broadcast, Wiley Cash is the best author name ever. I mean, I know that's your name, but like how great of a name yeah. is that? Oh, I wish oh, I oh, it really
0: is.
5: It's great it's, because... Because my mm-hmm. editor was like, great. You have a memorable name. That means all of your mm-hmm. books can have really long, confusing titles. Because It's it leads fantastic. To remember your name. I, it's
2: I, I really good. my name. I wish I was it's Wiley name,
5: But when I waited tables, it was a terrible name. Because I would go up, and I wasn't a very good waiter. And I would say, evening, my name's Wiley. I'll be taking care of you tonight. Can I start you out with some drinks? And they'd be like, Wiley? Like, Wiley Coyote? And I'm like, yes. Yeah. Like Wiley yeah, Wiley. That's it.
1: That's
5: can I get that's you it. some drinks? Because I've just been triple set. Can I get you drinks? What's your last name? It's cash. Can I get you some... Oh, I- <laughs> yes, like, Johnny, can I get you some drinks? Or are you still looking at the menu? Um, so for a writer, it's it's like the only good name It's the only good I just
4: said, my name is John Smith. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. You am going to get
5: Jingleheimer Schmitz. Can I take your order It would have gone right time, and they'd have been like, yeah, I'll have the...
3: Oh, my
2: gosh. Okay, but but getting back to what you were saying about writing about North Carolina, um, I'm so interested in this. It was interesting to hear you talk about balancing both things when you're writing about the South. When you first started writing novels, did you intentionally write about North Carolina with that in mind? Or was it just that North Carolina is such a part of you that you couldn't imagine writing about anything else?
5: I think both of those. You know, I think that North Carolina... And you know, Christy might might back me up on this. And I and I heard her uh, when I was eating M Ms in the virtual green room. Um, (laughs) uh, Only the red ones. Thank you, Friends in Fiction, for finally getting it right. Um,
1: We aim for please, Wiley. We aim for
5: please. Please don't take my class. I will lose all credibility if you take my class. The kids will be like, I don't have to listen to you anymore. She's in here. Um, But North Carolina is a great place to be from as a writer because. You know, I think that hopefully, y'all, y'all might agree that the good stories come from tension, and there's yeah. a lot of tension in North Carolina, We're a swing mm-hmm. state. We have regional tension between the mountains and the Piedmont and the mm-hmm. coastal plain. We have like barbecue tension. We have oh. basketball tension. <laughs> we tension. Tension. <laughs> we, we got it all. We got it all. Right. We got it all. Um, mm-hmm. So <laughs> those those little tensions—historical, political, cultural, regional—that's a delicious place just to look at your state honestly and to write Mm -hmm. from that perspective. But North Carolina is also a place that I love and I, and I know it well and I'll never tire of writing stories that are Mm -hmm. set here that look at this place. Um, You know, my first novel a land more kind than home was my attempt to understand something about the culture in which I was raised in the 1980s, which was Mm -hmm. a very conservative Baptist culture set against the backdrop of the rise and fall of the evangelical movement. With Jim and Tammy Faye Baker and Jimmy Swaggart. And so writing this novel about a, a, a preacher that sweeps into a church and causes great upheaval um, is exactly was exactly what was happening around me when I was nine years old in 1986. And so hmm. the main character in my first novel is a nine-year-old in 1986 witnessing all of this stuff happen. That's awesome.
1: Oh, Wiley. We have a million questions, but we have this very patient live audience behind you. So do you want- I haven't turned
5: around, I can't see them.
1: Oh, they're (laughs) they're making faces at you. Okay. So do you want to see if one of them has a question before we- Sure, does anybody
5: have any questions?
1: Don't be shy
5: just because you're on live. Yeah, Yeah.
2: we would love to hear your questions.
5: Um, Julie? Debbie. Debbie. Debbie asked what my writing process is like. Mm-hmm. Most of my writing process, Debbie, is driven by financial desperation. <laughs> um that's really what gets it, me at it's the driven desk. Driven by
1: children's shoes.
5: Really that is right. yes. Charleston coffee, beach house. It's <laughs> what gets me at the desk every morning. I actually I actually do drink Charleston coffee. It's delicious. It's amazing. It that's coffee, hilarious. The organic Colombian, I love it. Um, but uh, My process with Ghost Come Home, I began writing it as a short story and I I typed it. I had always typed all of my books on the laptop that we're streaming from right now. And I quickly learned that I can type faster than my brain can process what I want to put down. And I I was staring at the blinking cursor. And as a writer, that's like death. Bad (laughs) Bad news. when I went back to really reimagine this book, I hand wrote it and I, I wrote it with pencil oh. and notebook paper. And, wow. and yeah, and my hand cannot move as quickly as my mind can. Wow. And I was aware that I, I always had something to put down. And so that's what I do. I did that for the <laughs> whole book. I hand wrote the entire thing. And that's
0: incredible.
5: Yeah. And if wow. I can do on on a good writing day, if I'm in the office. I try to lock in about three hours of just writing and then the busy work of email. And you all know how that is with marketing, whatever, whatever it is that you're working on. Um, But if I can do two notebook pages front and back, that is an incredible writing day. And one of my favorite things to do is to stop mid sentence and just get up from the desk when the page feels warm and hot, because when I come back to it, it's going to feel that way. And I love that feeling. If the page is cold, when I come back to it, it's going to feel cold. And that's like looking at that blinking cursor. So I try to end the day in a spot that feels urgent and, um, and, and alive.
3: I'm always afraid I'll forget if I, if I stop in Ned's sentence.
5: Yeah, yeah. Oh, I just you know right? I draft what looks twists and turns.
1: Because <laughs> you're like, I didn't know where I was going. Yeah. Sometimes I leave myself a note. I have a lot of in my drafts that'll say, yeah. don't forget.
5: Yeah. Yep. My friend, um, Jason Mott, uh, who just made the long list for the National Book Award. Yeah, we saw wrote, that. It's amazing. He is a brilliant writer, but he keeps, he has his file where his novel is. And then he keeps like a, like a running file of just images, sayings, ideas that he knows he wants to go into that book. And just occasionally, he'll open that file and say, like, oh, I remember that piece of dialogue I heard. I'm going to move that to the scene. And I thought, God, that's such a great idea.
1: Yeah. It's a um, great idea. I, I leave myself, I leave myself. don't forget, at the yeah. bottom Yeah. of yeah. that. Okay, so we have a question from Facebook. Denise okay. Smith wonders, is your class virtual so I can take it? And I do know people want to know about your teaching, but it's only yeah. for your students, right? Like, there's no... Yeah.
5: Yeah, I'm the alumni author in residence at my alma mater, which is UNC Asheville, and I teach in-person uh, fiction writing workshop uh, every fall. Um, but I do oftentimes do some online writing workshops, and okay. I have some videos that folks can download on my website, WileyCash.com. Um, but I, I do some virtual workshops from time to time, so I hope that, uh, that she can jump on one of those if I ever do that.
1: Well, that's great. That's fantastic. Do you want to take another one from the people behind you?
5: Anybody have? Yeah. Nope. Bridget. I'm afraid this is a question, but is, is, is it
1: like writing or creating during the pandemic? Anybody else? <laughs> <laughs> you do not get to pick and
5: choose, Mister. That's a great question. Bridget asked, "Is it is it different writing or creating during the pandemic?" And yeah, absolutely, it was. Um, it was it was very different from from the experience of writing my other books because the world, my world became so narrow and so compressed and, and, and in many ways claustrophobic. And if, if readers read the opening scene of When Ghosts Come Home, there's a scene where our, our sheriff, Winston Barnes, is driving out to the airport in the middle of the night. And I wanted to give the reader the impression of a tunnel that he's, he's driving down this, this, this the main road of the island and there, there are trees around him, the moon is out. And I wanted the reader to feel like they were inside of a tunnel along with him. And that would kind of be the entree to the, to the novel. And that's how my life, my life very much felt that way then.
4: Wow. Oh, that's fascinating how it worked its way in there. Yeah. um, Tracy Shooping, this is, I want to know this too, um, wants to know what you're reading for pleasure currently, although... As we've all been on book tour, you're probably reading nothing.
3: probably <laughs> <Well, laughs> I mean, Reading, reading everybody's
4: itinerary. <laughs> yeah.
5: I've been <laughs> driving a lot. And so okay. I'm listening to the love okay. songs of W.E.B. Du Bois. Oh, is, yeah. um, it's yes. one of those books, like you're like, it's not gonna be as good as everybody says it is, and then it's better. It's just amazing. Oh. It's um it's such an intimate portrait of a family yeah. on a granular level. And I'm a huge fan of Thomas Wolfe's novel, novel Look Homeward Angel. Mm-hmm. And this feels that that epic of a scope of getting to really know. Like there's so many scenes where I'm just cringing at conversations mm-hmm. people are having or the way characters will treat one another badly or love one another and I'm driving and I'm like, oh, please don't say that. Please take that back. You know, I'm rooting mm-hmm. for them or I'm mad at them. And then just yesterday, I was in Asheville, and I was uh, heading out to do something, <laughs> and I heard Anderson Cooper, with all his charm, on NPR, talking about his new book about the Vanderbilt. So I went right to Malaprops Ooh, and bought yeah. Anderson Cooper's book on his launch day. So I'm sure that Anderson bought my book on my launch day. No, I'm, heard, I'm, I'm sure he did. Dash Cooper, I call him Andy, but I won't embarrass him, but I hope he bought my book uh, on launch day. <laughs> And I think somebody, you had a question? Yes, ma'am.
3: Mm-hmm. Sure.
5: I just, so thank you. She asked about my second novel, The Stark Road to Mercy, which is set in my hometown of Gastonia. And then it the closing uh, scenes are in St. Louis. And she asked if I went to St. Louis Research and I did not before writing the book, but I went on book tour in St. Louis for that book, and part of it was set in St. Louis. I wrote about the St. Louis Cardinals. I did ah. daytime TV with Joe Buck's sister. I was ah. on the radio. I was like, today's event, tonight's event at the store is gonna be insane. And I went and I had two people. <laughs> Uh, one of them was there when the event started and just like sat down awkwardly because he didn't know what else to do. And so uh, I had the tour credit card and I said, do y'all just want to go get dinner? I've got $150 That's- day per diem. Wait, so- what is this credit card?
2: I know. What, what is this?
5: Oh, <laughs> I'm the only writer in America who's allowed to have one of those. It actually oh. says Rupert Murdoch on it because I'm with Harper. College. I
3: used to have a Harper credit card when I was yeah. at Harper. I yeah. missed that.
5: Uh, it was pretty sweet. I don't have one now. It's got my own name on it, which is so disappointing. <laughs> we just went next door and had dinner and drinks, and it was one of my favorite awesome. events of the entire
2: tour. Oh, I like that. Oh, my that. gosh. We awesome. make le- lemonade from lemons. That's awesome.
1: That's <laughs> yeah. And we've all had that signing. We, oh, we actually God. talked about that last week. Oh, we did. You, know?
4: you guys We're Emily Henry, Henry. I mean, it even happens to Emily Henry. So yeah. <laughs> you
2: just you just have to announce that Kristen Hannah's there and then Right. They they show up. Yeah. That's the key
1: to success. <laughs> some people get up and leave, but some people are too embarrassed to leave. Yeah, and all then they're stuck. They have to mm. listen
5: to you. <laughs> I always feel bad for the booksellers. You go in yeah. and they're like yeah fingers crossed for a crowd, but there's a PTA <laughs> meeting tonight mm-hmm. and a Saved by the Bell marathon and you know how that goes. And, and it, it looks goes, like it might ring no, the best <laughs> is when the
3: best
2: is when they say this <laughs> never happens.
5: This never happens. Oh, yeah. This never happens.
1: And you're like, great. I you're feel like, so much better Thanks like, you for that. sharing with me. I, I did an
5: event one time and, uh, it wasn't very well attended I don't even remember where it was And the first person to come up to get their book signed Said I just wanted to tell you that I loved Serena oh, John Rash. Rash. Ron Rash and Ron Rash, and Rash Sounds alike Around we're like How, What's he going to do here And I said well I'll be honest with you I think it's the best book I'm probably ever going to write And I just <laughs> it while he has, and We went on with the event <laughs>
2: Oh, that is amazing. All right. so, So so Wiley, we know you teach at UNC Asheville. And I have to say that the beginning of this book is so masterful. I mean, we've been talking about it, but we meet and know exactly who we need to meet and know. And yet you never tell us anything. It's just the way you unroll it showing us is just Mm -hmm. so well done. So we all know you're a great writer. And of course, every week on our show, we ask our guests for a writing tip. Would you be so kind as to give us one tonight?
5: Sure. Yeah. You know, the opening scene, I'm trying to set the expectations, the reader's expectations as soon as I can. And I argue that we enter a piece of fiction, the same way we enter a dream. Mm -hmm. We say, where am I? Who are these people? What are the rules of time? What are the what are the rules of the unities in the stream or this book? Yeah. So I'm trying to nail all those things down as soon as possible. So you know immediately that this is a married couple. You know immediately that one of them is sick. You know that they are middle-aged because they're freaking and stretching and all this stuff. You know what time it is. There's an alarm clock right there they remark on. You know he's a sheriff immediately. He gets in the car and he turns on the radio and they're talking about the election uh, when Mondale is challenging Reagan, so you know it's 1984. And I'm not telling you uh, a middle-aged man and woman are married on Oak Island in this 1984 in the middle of the night. I'm just kind of walking you through the scene, giving you information, so that when you're entering the dream that I'm trying to create for you and keep you inside of, because I never want you to consciously ask those questions. I'm trying to give you all that information before you ask for it. Wow.
4: Telling it's, you, I'm getting in that class. I mean, I'm gonna have to. I know. Wrap, party, already. I'm already now. thinking about. I mean, might have to pull some strings. It's it's yeah. happening. Nice? Yeah.
5: Yeah. Yeah. we can commute together. I'll swing up and pick you up. We'll head up. <laughs> oh,
1: <laughs> get commute. there from there. It, you might be in the same state, but
0: yeah. You,
4: <laughs> I know. I was thinking about that. I mean, you could not be further apart from. Yeah, hmm.
1: you're, you're both in go. the
4: same state, but
1: yeah. you're probably yeah. closer drive to me than to Christy right now.
4: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's true. You guys
1: are like on the far ends. Okay. Wiley, that was amazing. Um, All of you out there, hang on because our co-founder Mary Alice is about to pop in and join us. Yes. You heard me right. So don't go anywhere, but Wiley, thank you so much for being with us. This was so fascinating. Thank you for being so honest about how your life is part of this story about your love for North Carolina. And I know you have an audience that has been looking at your back and <laughs> probably like for you to turn around. Mm-hmm. So I know there's loads of questions we didn't get to. If you have time, maybe you can stop by the Friends in Fiction Perfect. page. But we are honored that you shared your pub week with us. And I know that all our viewers have been thrilled that you showed up for us this week.
5: Well, I, I sincerely want to thank all of you. and. You all are providing such a wonderful service to writers like me who are, you know, not quite having the book tours that we all envision wanting to have. So thank you for bringing me on and letting me talk to your readers. You're just providing such a great service, such great literary citizens and and leaders. And it means a lot that you are hosting me.
1: You are so much fun. You're so great. And tell your brother I said hi.
5: I will definitely do that. He's a big Patty fan, let me tell you.
1: His oh. brother in yeah. case y'all don't, let's give him a shout out. Yeah. Tell them about your brother like, real quick.
5: My brother's a stand-up comedian, Cliff Cash. You can find him on Instagram, Facebook. He travels the country doing comedy. He oh. is brilliantly funny. He is brilliantly funny. So check it out. And when I
1: first met him, we were at Southern Voices in mm-hmm. Birmingham, Alabama. Mm-hmm. And he was with, he was Wiley's guest. And he was trying to decide whether to be brave enough. To go do stand up, yeah, and I laughed so hard at his jokes. <laughs> <Yeah>.
5: oh.
1: <laughs> he was I, the
5: hit of the weekend.
1: He awesome. is awesome, and he did he did it. He went out there and he did it.
5: Yeah, it's so oh, cool. Well, he thinks the world of you, Patty. So thank you for being so nice to him. From, from oh gosh, he's easy to end. be nice to. All
4: right, Wiley, take care. Thanks, Wiley. Wiley.
5: So
1: so
4: Good night. Okay, everybody,
1: before Mary Alice joins us, we want to remind all of you out there, Mary Kay, take it
3: away. What am I reminding? What am I doing? Oh, I know. (laughs) I'm going to talk to you about the Writer's Block podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We are always going to, don't forget to check out our Friends in Fiction Writer's Block podcast. Which is the there time. it is. What We're is gonna always time. post the links under announcements each time a new one drops. You like how I said drops? Like I know this lingo. That's that's, that's podcast lingo. Right. That's podcast that. yeah. Love it. yeah, I've been watching um, Only Murder in the Building, so I know my podcast lingo now. I, isn't
1: that so good?
3: Yeah, so but good. not as good as Writer's Block. So we are a lot of fun. It's totally different from this show. So if you like us hanging out with us here, we know you're going to love being with us there on the writer's block every Friday. This past week, Ron and Patty talked to Nat Philbrick about his book Travels with George, about how Nathaniel with his wife and dog retraced George Washington's inaugural U.S. trip. It was in this week. And we uh, we want to give a shout out to Nat, our buddy, because oh, he made the New York Times Bestseller list this week. We're so happy
1: for him. We, we are are an incredible star. book, Travels with He's George. So He's just
3: a great yeah. human being and a fascinating historian. And this week, Ron talks to Hank Phillippe Ryan about writing thrillers that's
2: awesome i can't so you don't to want to miss that, that. But that's awesome yeah you know, it's funny when they uh when we just flashed that graphic of ron every single episode every time i see that i'm like ron, ron. like it just makes me so happy oh. i love him and i love the podcast it just it's this moment of pure joy every episode oh, all right know, so,
4: that's not- a bad heart
2: I know, but I know Noah Noah showed me today. That mom, this is a heart. I'm like, he doesn't- No, bother. I
4: was saying mine was bad, not yours. <laughs> no, I, no, 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 mine is bad. So if you are not hanging know.
2: out with us yet in the Friends in Fiction official book club, you are missing out. The group, which is separate from us and run by our friends, Lisa Harrison and Brenda Gardner, is now more than 9,000 strong. So Patty was there earlier this week to talk about the bookshop at Water's End, and it was recorded and it's still available. So if you weren't able to be there, but if you're interested in learning a little bit more about the story behind that book head on over and this Thursday as in tomorrow, our own Mary Kate Andrews will join the club at 7 p.m. For a pre-celebration of the Santa suit, which I'm so excited about Yay. and on Friday, October 1st, our rock star librarian Ron Block will join them for happy hour. So you guys, they have a lot going on a lot and as If that is not enough, our book club has announced a debut novel, The Orphan Witch by Paige Crutcher, who you saw on our debut episode a few weeks ago. That is going to be their book club pick for Spooky October. So they will be discussing that book just in time for Halloween on October 25th.
4: And don't forget to join us for a special bonus episode this Sunday at 5 p.m. as we sit down with novelist and former CIA analyst Karen Cleveland, who also just so happens to be Kristen Harmel's little sister. And next Wednesday, join us right here at 7 p.m. as we welcome best-selling novelist Debbie McCumber and celebrate the launch of MKA's The Santa Suit. You, of course, will not want to miss what we have in store for you. With MKA, you never, never know. (laughs) And in two weeks, join us and meet Newbery Award winner Kwame Alexander.
1: So... I know that so many of you have been asking about Mary Alice since she took her sabbatical back in early July to do research in far flung places without internet. But guess what? She is here to talk to us. Alan, can you bring on Mary Alice?
2: Yay, hi!
0: Hi, girls. girls. How are you? I am well, thank you. And everyone looks good. Y'all looking uh, keeping up the good work, I see. <laughs> well, I it's really a great pleasure to be here on Friends and Fiction tonight. It really is, and to see all your faces. And um, as you know, as Patty just said, I've been on a leave of absence these last two months, and I've done a lot of research, and I've started some exciting new projects. And in light of all these developments, I've had to make the most difficult decision, and that is to no longer continue on Friends in Fiction as a weekly host. I started Friends in Fiction with my friends here during the pandemic, and it really has been the greatest joy to be here, to talk with my friends, and so many wonderful authors like Wiley Cash. Hey, Wiley, if you're still (laughs) listening, love to you. And most of all, to connect with all of you out there, all the readers. It's been my privilege, it truly has. And I'm not going away completely. The good news is I'll be returning from time to time as a guest host, and I'll be back to share With the girls, any good news I have with my new books coming out. And I hope you'll visit me on my Insta page and Facebook and wherever to keep up with my upcoming news. And speaking of exciting news, it is fun to close with this. The Fab Five is coming to join us live and in person together at Wild Dunes, January 16th. And we'll put all the news up But we're going to have a blast and I hope to see you there. But until then, for now, thank you all so much. I love you and farewell.
1: (laughs) Oh, well, tell us a little bit about your research.
0: Like how how did it go well? Yes. uh, Well, I have a couple projects going and um, one is the middle grade, which the next one is "Search for Treasure," and it's all done. Oh, I love it! You push the stem, you know Yay. the glory. Oh, it's the best feeling. That. So that'll be out next summer, but the, uh, the next book is a is a generational novel, and it's set in the Ace Basin, and it's pretty intense and very heavy research. And I'm just enjoying being able to squirrel away and to write. And it's, uh, the pandemic being together with the show was fabulous and it's what I needed. And I think the last two months made it clear to me that I just need the time to just Mm. write. And to be quiet. Plus, I'm researching whales, and I'm sorry; yeah. it's that's far away. <laughs> you remember when I was in Mexico trying to connect with you to the last? Oh gosh, it, it was terrible. Terrible. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, it's hard when you're in odd parts of the world to uh, to hook up every Wednesday night. But I do look forward. We will be together. I'll see you all as a guest host whenever you all want to break. I'll be here yeah. for you. And it'll be, um, it's not goodbye, it's just um, Arrivederci. I'll see you next time. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. W-
1: what was that song they used to sing on um, Lawrence? Well, for those of us who are old, that was like, Ayos, <laughs> <"Adiós>, au
3: revoir. <laughs> Never said it in every
1: language before that's right. Uh, that's, that's right. That's right. That's <laughs>
5: right.
1: All right. <laughs> to all well, of you out there, well, we encourage you to grab Wiley's novel, When Ghosts Come Home, from Park Road Books. There will be a link in the announcements. Mary Alice, it is so wonderful to see your face and hear about your work. Yes. Know that you are out there, you know, doing your research and that you will be back to visit us. Everyone yeah. has missed you.
0: Yeah. And, and I love all- you all and all everyone out there. It's not goodbye. It's I'll <laughs> see you later. And... I it's been a
4: great, great
0: joy to be part of Friends of Fiction and I still am.
4: Yes, yes you absolutely. are. Well, we'll miss you and we're um but we're glad for you in this next chapter and um, yeah. absolutely.
3: we'll, we'll always have stuff. our turtle hats, Mary Alice. That's okay. Right. <laughs> oh
2: my gosh, I literally absolutely.
3: this is not
1: staged, but I have mine right here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my gosh, it
0: looks good. Still looks good.
1: <laughs> I I wish I would have thought i'm um, in the drawer behind me that I'm not pulling out is the Santa hat for next week, but I need to go find my turtle yeah, hat. It's because so. I never clean my office.
2: Sorry. That
4: was not like. <laughs>
1: That's hilarious. You can tell when I'm stuck writing because I clean out my office.
4: That's yeah. hilarious. Raise your hand if you do that
1: right? It's
4: like, like the procrastination. Oh yeah. yeah. And I definitely right. need
1: to start filing some things. In other words, I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah, not exactly. All right. But to maybe. all of you out there, we will see you at the after show and come back next week. Same time, same place as we welcome Debbie Maycomer and celebrate Mary Kay Andrews and the Santa suit. So thanks y'all. Good night. Good night. Good night. Hi guys! Wow. Hi. <laughs> Hi. <gasps> so that was interesting doing it from a live bookstore. I kind of yeah. like the
3: energy of that. Yeah, it was cool. That was cool.
2: That's something to consider for the future.
3: Yeah, wow. we had a big, big so night great. tonight. We we had a yeah. live store, and then we had kind of a bittersweet. We had to say yeah. bye to Mary Alice. Yeah. Not bye bye, but yeah, she said see you later. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I'm sure yeah. that was a hard decision to come to. And, yeah. you know, yeah. it, it's just, it sounds like what she needs right now. And and that's mm-hmm. good. I'm I'm glad, you know, that's a good thing to come to a moment in your life where, where you're able to say, this is what, this yeah. is what I need.
4: And yeah. I don't know if people really know, I mean, you know, what really goes into the behind the scenes of putting together something like yeah. this. And I think yeah. it probably sort of looks like we pop up here for an hour and a half on Wednesday nights, but we all know that <laughs> is not the case. Um, yeah. And, you know, it, it is... It's definitely yeah. sometimes a struggle to maintain the balance of all those things and um yeah. it's a pleasure and a gift and so wonderful but yeah. um I so agree I'm amazing. sure it was a really hard decision because you know we've built something so amazing. Yeah.
2: Sorry yeah. that was a sneeze, not a laugh. <laughs> that <laughs> and was
4: a sneeze. <laughs> yes. Could you when see, it, when I sneeze you know. Like I'm just going to I'm just going to say <laughs> if
1: you <laughs> sneeze say, and we didn't hear it it doesn't count. <laughs>
4: But so. she would have that sneeze. I'm so annoyed. Move on.
1: I'm just I know. Skip over her completely. <laughs>
4: well, well, no, but well, it, she it,
1: talked it. a little bit about being gone because of yeah. research. Yeah. And it's been making me think about yeah. some of our immersive research. Uh-huh. I want, I want y'all to talk about that. I always think, I think your stories are so interesting—from the police detectives to Paris to North. Uh, C- I, tell me a little bit, Vanderbilt.
0: Yeah.
2: Talk to me about
4: it.
3: Um, uh, well, who's talking?
4: <laughs> any of us? <laughs> Kristen, you go. You were starting. You were. You were on it.
2: Um, for me, there's really something to be said for being able to. I think it's probably for all of us being able to actually immerse yourself for at least a small period of time in the world you're writing about. Um yeah. And and, you know, kind of going back to what Wiley said about how the way he starts his novels is like Mm -hmm. establishing the framework for a dream by giving you all of those. That was amazing feelings. It was amazing. So it's giving you all those feelings, minute little details that build the world. To me, that's why the research is so important because it's not, it's not the big things. It's not the dialogue. It's not the characters. It's not all of that, that, that immerses you in the novel at the beginning. Those are Mm -hmm. the things that drive the novel, but you need to frame that world. And it's, Mm -hmm. to me, it's the research that frames that world. So, um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, it's really important. And, um, and, you know, I just have to say, I'm pretty smart that I write books set in Paris because that's what so I have to go to Paris I mean, to do
4: the
3: research.
4: <laughs> she has that sneeze and she's so smart. It's so annoying.
3: <laughs> and she drums too. Yes.
2: Drums. yes and writes songs. Yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> and musicals. I know. I'm just a one trick pony. What am I doing I'm... with my life, you guys? <laughs> I know. I'm just a one trick pony. All I All I do is... You know, (laughs) grind out a book here.
4: How many (laughs) of you about
1: one of your immersive um, research things? Because I know you have some great ones.
3: Well, when I was writing, I loved hearing Wiley talk about, you know, the difference between writing a mystery and something he thought was not a mystery. Um, Yeah. uh, When I was writing mystery, I did a lot of crazy research things like once I got myself, I, I I didn't own a Cadillac, but for the a scene and the mystery I was working on, I had somebody needed to go into a gated subdivision. And so I needed her. I came up with the idea that she would steal a Domino's pizza clamp on sign and put it on top of her car. <laughs> and she and her associate would go in to this gated community and then she rode in the trunk but I needed to know if you could communicate with the driver from the trunk of a Cadillac. So I called a friend who actually owned a Cadillac, went over there, climbed in the trunk. Oh my gosh, I love it. <laughs> I'm And talk to her. Uh, Yeah, I got myself booked into jail in Savannah when I was writing Savannah Blues. Wow. So I knew what it was like to get booked into jail and to be issued an orange jumpsuit. And worse than the orange jumpsuit is being issued rubber thongs that other people have worn. You You mean sandals, right? Yes. (laughs) Not no <laughs> yes. Like soccer stand. rubber shower shoes. Rubber shower shoes. <laughs> just I'm just, just, just loving just, just She inspired. went there. Like, she, she went there, didn't she? I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. Um yeah. I haven't
4: even had any wine yet tonight. And I'm just really um No, I thought it was really interesting, you know how Wiley was talking about um how he um always wrote about the mountains. And this time he wrote about the coast and I'm sort of the opposite. I've always written about the coast and now I'm writing about the mountains. And I actually grew up about, gosh, like 20 minutes from where Wiley grew up. We both grew up kind of like in the Piedmont of the state. So I actually was a lot closer to the mountains than the beach growing up. So it was an area I was really familiar with, but, um, writing the wedding veil, you know, did feel a little bit different because I was writing about a place that was so geographically different and, um, writing about the Vanderbilts and, um, you know, all of those things. And I had this idea about how, um, I actually just wrote about this, but I had an idea of how I was going to write this book about Biltmore and the Vanderbilts. And I was going to have this year round pass and I was going to go to Asheville like a million times to research this novel. And then of course the pandemic hit. So it was a very different experience than I thought it was going to be. Um, and fortunately, you know, I mean, even when I did get to go, it was crazy. I mean, it was, um, it felt really weird to like be in this place all these people and everyone's masked and unfortunately um, i was I, I the places that i was writing about interestingly enough are largely not the places that you see on the tour um so that was actually kind of good because i could sort of sneak around in these like back hallways and um passageways and things that you wouldn't necessarily see otherwise um but it was a different experience than i thought i was going to have and But I think what was even more gratifying, I mean, I obviously had been to Biltmore a lot um, growing up. And then I had been um, right before I started writing this book, which was what kind of sparked the idea for the story. And so it wasn't like a place I'd never been before. I couldn't visualize, but there was something really cool about diving so deeply into this research with, you know, librarians and historians and all these people for so long, and then going to the house and seeing it in this completely different way. Um, and really being able to imagine the way that the people actually live their lives there versus, you know, walking through and being like, wow, this place is huge, you know, it's just a really different kind of experience. Um, and I mean, for me, there's, there are things that we research in every single book that we write, but it, you know, with it being my first, like, my first time writing about a real historical place with people who actually were alive and lived, it was a vastly different experience for me. I don't know how you guys do it all the time. It's very hard. Um, and I think what makes it even harder is that, um, especially with people like the Vanderbilts, there's so much, I'm talking too long. I'm sorry. I'm saying this one last thing. But there's, they were written so much about in like gossip columns and things like that, that it's really hard to separate fact from fiction because a lot of times these huge stories would be in these papers about them and they aren't marked as like gossip columns or something that isn't necessarily real. And so um, a lot of times I found myself just having to kind of like, make my best guess or choose the version of the story that fit yeah. my book, the very best, because, you know, I would just get these vastly different things. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, it's like anything else. I mean, Biltmore has a narrative that um, the they have woven obviously because they're this huge tourist attraction. And um, so it's just, it was really interesting just to kind of see all the different things that come into play when you're trying to research people who, um, you know, are no longer here. Yeah. The the, um, deep research that we all
1: do in different ways, Mary Alice is doing it with, um, you know, nature, but we've all hunkered down, visited the places. And I feel like almost every time you do that, you just or every time I do that, and I know you feel the same way. Every time you do that, we discover like this little nugget, whether it's uh, plastic shoes or notice how such yes. so you find this little <laughs> nugget <laughs> that yeah. completely shifts the story yeah
2: Th- that's what brings it alive you're totally right it's those little nuggets of detail that you can only experience firsthand yes. Callie, yeah
3: that's how you experienced that writing surviving savannah oh gosh
1: oh gosh yeah. yes I mean, I mean so and mrs lewis i mean like yeah. boots on the ground yeah. So boost on the so, cool. so everybody out there, it has been an incredible night. I'm and also sad, mm-hmm. and also um, moving. It's mm-hmm. been all the things tonight. We need you to know that none of us are going anywhere. One hundred percent. We're, We're here, here for the long We're here. haul. Yep. yep. You are stuck like, with
2: us. I was going is- to say, long after you want us to be, we'll still be here doing this. <laughs> I'd be like, God, are there any
4: other authors for them to interview?
1: <laughs> yes. So we're going we're to start having to, to, to interview. Um, yeah, we're not going to say that. So, yes. yeah. We <laughs> But we Sally, are not... this is an impressive essay you've written for your first grade class. Would you like to <laughs> talk about it? Yeah. So, my little grandchild, Bridget, <laughs> would you like to tell us about that story you just made up? Um
2: so yeah. my... you know what? I, in our tagline it says endless stories, right? And the stories are endless. There's there's yeah, so much to sure. talk about. It, we'll never run out of books to read, we'll never run out of stories to tell and books to love and authors to talk to. And um yeah we we will always be here we i mean
1: yeah yep. we're here we we feel as if this is a never ending opportunity to yeah. share with you and y'all
3: you have built this community with us
0: yeah, yeah
3: we're, we're not going anywhere yeah and i think we should mention that um coming up soon we're going to have the best selling author of everybody poops <laughs> First, we have to find out who that author is. We'll be providing them. that
2: author with rubber thongs, just in <laughs> case <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, of both varieties, just oh to cover all <laughs> pieces Or this heads into a downward spiral. I think we should go get some <laughs> like, dinner, like the water down a toilet. You mean? Yeah, the like after downstairs. you poop, like that. This <laughs> is like the ship metaphors. Like there are just there's so Isn't many. Great. Thank you, Wiley. Thank you for that. So, all right. I love y'all. Love you. You
5: too. Good Good night,
0: you guys. Good night, y'all.
5: Good night.
0: Thank you for tuning in. Join us every week on Facebook or YouTube, where our live show airs every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram. We're so glad you're here.